Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. All right, my friends, you've tuned in to America's Home for Conservative Not Better Talk, and yes, I am your host, Todd Huff. I had a little bit of a problem there. The mic stand today. I think Oz helped me set up. Thank you, Oz. I think it's a little... There we go. So, good to be here. Email for those who want to send their questions, feedback, comments, your adoration and praise, all of that is accepted at Todd at ToddHuffShow.com. Just make it count, my friends. Make it count. Todd at ToddHuffShow.com. Hope you had a great weekend. Um, we, by the way, are currently um, outside, well, just um, near White Sands National Park in New Mexico. So we'll be here for um, the remainder of, of this week. It's beautiful out here. The weather's nice. White Sands National Park's beautiful. The drive from Carlsbad to Alamogordo. Oz is nodding here to make sure that I got that correct. It's just a beautiful drive. Um, and I, <laughs> I was a little bit um, concerned at a couple of spots with the fifth wheel because coming down those mountains is not for the faint of heart, my friends. But fortunately, your host is not faint of heart. So let's get right into it today. I want to start. I want to start with acknowledging what I believe the left is really and the Biden supporters are really are really telling us. What they're telling us is, if you pay attention and and follow the logic here, they are admitting that Biden's presidency is only a tad bit better than it was, my friends, when America was completely and utterly shut down, locked down, as Governor Holcomb likes to say, hunkered down, whatever. That is the measuring stick by which they are measuring the Biden presidency, and Biden outperforms that point in our history. That point where we were told not to go outside, not to look out the window, not to breathe on anybody, not to maybe not even to breathe. Or, in fact, this was the day. Uh, these were the days when we weren't being told to wear masks. These were the days of of in the mask evolution when Fauci said um, it was largely symbolic. Going all the way back to basically patient zero or day zero, which of course goes way past uh, March of 2020. But this is the year – so what I mean is you'll see a lot, and I've seen a lot of this. You've probably seen some of this too. You'll see the leftists say, you know, Biden can't be blamed for high gas prices because the oil production is up. Oil production is up over uh, – during Biden's presidency than it was in Trump's presidency, which is incredibly misleading at best. They'll also say Biden created – Biden oversaw the single – Greatest number of jobs increased in American history. Six, what is it? Six point, six point four million is what's in my head. Maybe that's, I think that's right. Six point three, six point four million 
jobs were created in 2021. In fact, you'll read headlines from the left-leaning business insider. The U.S. added more jobs in 2021 than in any, any year in history and is recovering three times faster than after the Great Recession. You know, another headline for this could be Trump's prediction of a V-shaped recovery comes true. <laughs> if you look at uh, the chart, and I got, I got a chart here in the Business Insider uh, story here. In March, April, May of 2020, the job losses in this country literally fell off a cliff, straight down, straight down. Then they bounced back pretty quickly, actually very quickly, not quite as quickly as they fell off, but it was remarkable, and it is very V-shaped. It's not U-shaped. It's not flat. It has been consistent. In fact, if I'm being candid as I'm looking at this, it increased at a sharper rate um, prior to Biden coming into office than when he got into office. I'm just going to point that out since uh, since folks seem to want to compare 2020 and 2021 as that's Biden's benchmark. And so they want to use because Biden's been in year, right? And excuse me, in the office for uh, been our president for one year. That year was 2021, right? It's in the we're in the rearview mirror now, but we can see data now, data that's been extrapolated over the course of 12 months, and then you can compare it to the previous year, which was, of course, Trump's last full year in office. And lo and behold, they're shocked. They are shocked to find out that oil production is up over 2020. But folks, it's down. Now I'm talking about domestic production. Domestic production of oil is down from 2019. I mean, I'm not going to go into all of this, but I'm looking at a chart here. This is a government, what is this? The U.S. Energy Information Administration. I cannot imagine working for this. I would just, I, I don't even know, just Smack me across the face. This is this would be torturous for me, but as I'm looking here, and God bless the people that run these numbers and all that. But in 2019, in 2019, this is I think this is number of uh, found. So this is crude uh, barrels of crude oil produced per day, U.S. field production. So in the United States, this graphic, this graph, whatever, this chart goes back to 1920. January of 1920, we produced almost 1.1 million barrels of oil a day domestically. Now, in 2019, 2019 January, we produced 11 point almost 9 million. In 2020, by the way, remember this is January of 2020. I know numbers are hard on the radio, but hang in there. This I'm just there's a larger point here, which is we're in the election year. It's time for them to try to figure out what is going to stick. They are throwing all sorts of things at the campaign wall to see what can stick because, folks, they have nothing. And, yes, we're going to talk about Russia. Yes, we're going to talk about Iran. I, it is – the world is on fire. The world – this reminds me of, of Benghazi. It does just the utter mismanagement and, again – we are not responsible, no matter who's in office, of every single detail, right, of everything that happens in the world. But but there are absolutely positively things that we can 
see, ask ourselves and, and look at look at things that were done, look at decisions that were made, look at policies that were implemented, and then ask ourselves: Did that contribute to this problem? Did that help alleviate this problem? And folks, almost nine, I say ninety nine point nine nine times out of a hundred. I'm giving them .01 because they might have accidentally done something the right way out of 100 times. But 99.99 times out of 100, this administration and the radical left gets it wrong. They get it, in many cases, dramatically wrong. But back to the production of oil. They want to say, hey, man, we had more oil production in 2021 than 2020. Don't blame Biden for this. Don't blame Biden for the high prices. He's actually pulling more oil, encouraging oil companies to pour uh, to pull more oil out of the ground and get it to market. But that's simply not what's happening. In fact, um, February, February of 2021, the first full month of the Biden administration, they oversaw 9.7 million barrels of oil produced per day in the United States. The previous year, it was pre-COVID pandemic, 12.8 folks. That's roughly, I'm just going roughly here, that is roughly a 25% decrease. Decrease. And if you run the numbers across the entire year, um, the COVID numbers from 2020 are down, but they're not as down, they're not down as much as you might expect. Again, Biden supporters are out there saying, hey, he's out there actually helping, helping the Domestic oil market produce more oil. But again, if you can take 2020 out, when we were all shut down, we were told not to leave our homes, when we were told we're all basically going to have something incredibly terrible happen to us, if we don't follow Fauci's every instruction to the T, right, we're locked down. That was a thing, lockdowns, shutdowns, forced this, forced that, mandate this, mandate that. When you compare 2019 to 2021, Biden's numbers are not to the same level. And what's another particular thing we could look at here? We could look at jobs. I referenced this earlier as well. You know, they the left and Biden supporters want you to think, man, this guy came in and he just fixed things so quickly. He got oil production back. It's not back to pre-pandemic numbers. And that is, I would maintain, by design of this administration. They are no friend to American oil. In fact, they are an enemy of, of affordable gasoline. They don't want that. Affordable gasoline, lower gas prices means you're driving more. And they have made it abundantly clear, the radical left, who, by the way, controls what Biden does, right? These are the folks who are in the administration calling the shots, Biden's just out there fumbling around trying to put a couple of sentences together to articulate something that gives him some traction. But these are the folks who are running this country today. They don't want affordable energy because it forces you, it forces you, it forces me, it forces most Americans to turn to something other than evil fossil fuels. It plays into the hands of the environmental, what the environmental wackos is what Rush used to call them, but the environmentalists, right? It moves us down that that path where government surprisingly has to step in and save us from ourselves. 
And what do we have to give up? We have to give up our liberty, and we have to give them some of our a lot of our tax dollars. We have to pay something, make it equal across other governments around the world. You heard these things. The United States is X percent of the people in the world, but we consume X percent of its resources. That is very misleading. That's very misleading. We actually have the ability um, to, if, if more of the world was using and had better economies and wasn't under the reign of, say, some socialist in many instances or some uh, some evil leader under the thumb of, say, a Xi or a Putin or a Maduro or a Chavez or a uh, Castro, I should say, then economies would be freer. People would be more productive. People would be able to live their lives and to chase their dreams and to do things that they want. Investment would be welcome. And other people, it w- we wouldn't keep the same share of the world's resources, other people would extract and use them for their needs as well around the world, making it move more to a balanced position. But anyway, the point here is, the point here is is that Biden, Biden defenders in particular, are telling you that if you, the only way to look at his presidency, the only way to look at this presidency optimistically is to compare it to the year that we were shut down, locked down, told to stay home, told not to work, told all of this stuff, mandate this, requirement that. That's the year that they want to compare it to. And he, even then, only slightly outperforms that year. I think that that is worth noting. The same thing happened with job numbers. We lost over 20-some million 20-some million jobs. Biden's bragging about bringing 6.4 million of those back in 2021, pounding his chest and saying that was some major accomplishment. Jobs actually came back at a slower rate under Biden than they did under Trump. I would maintain that jobs came back in spite of Joe Biden. But they want to compare 2020. That's his measuring stick. When you and I were told not to go outside, that's an important thing to realize an important thing to talk about. In fact, it's so bad, even folks like Trevor Noah, good old Trevor Noah, we play him every once in a while on this program. I got a soundbite. I share, uh, shared this with me earlier. I think it's worth listening to. He actually, st- <laughs> I think he's trying to be funny. Um, actually, it is, it is kind of humorous. Normally, the stuff there isn't that funny to me, but this was is actually sort of humorous. He's but he stumbled into something that I think is a larger truth, and maybe – I don't know if he doesn't realize it, if he hasn't connected the dots here, if he's too busy trying to you know, get people to watch his show. I don't really know. But the point is the ability of the left, the media, and so forth, other Democrats, to protect Biden and what's going on is virtu- – we're near zero at this particular point in time. Again, they're, they're – Option one is to use 2020 as the measuring stick. Option two is to, well, we've got some news here from uh, the DCCC, DCCC, how about that? Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee. They're out there saying that in order for Democrats to win, they should try not to sound like total jerks, (laughs) which is actually the first tip I've seen from the left to try to do something remotely close to conservative, not bitter. But folks, they are out of tricks. They want to misinform you about the Keystone Pipeline. 
They want to tell you Biden is doing everything he can to help alleviate oil prices. Then why ban Russian oil before we find a way to replace that oil? I mean, it is, it is again, I'm not arguing for not banning it. I'm simply saying, just like I said during COVID, it's not, we can't think about these things one-dimensionally. If we're going to, if we're going to have X requirement, for example, when we went through COVID, if you're going to have all these mandates, all these rules and regulations being dictated by governors and so forth, I mean, there had to be, there should have been a very clear, very short range end date, expiration date on that, a very clear path as to what recovery would look like. Some truth in what they were telling us. 15 days to slow the spread, my rear end. That's not even close. We're two years into this stuff. I ran into a guy from Australia. Talk. He was telling me in his country they're talking about bringing masks back in certain places again. I mean, this is this is perpetual, and it's not popular with voters, and they know it. They've got nothing to run on, and so they're trying to either rewrite history or fool you into believing something happened that was good that really wasn't good when you look at things in context, which is what we try to do on this program to give you context. They want to tell you that oil production was up in 2021. Well, I hope so. If everyone was locked away in their homes, they want to tell us jobs are up in 2021. I hope so. Given that 20 plus million Americans lost their job during the pandemic, I hope some of those jobs came back. And again, I say it's in spite of what this administration is doing, what it's done, what this administration stands for. It is not because of it. And we've got lots more things to get into today. So sit tight, my friends. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I am your host, Todd Huff, back here in just a minute. Welcome back, my friends. By the way, if you're listening in on Freedom 95 in Indianapolis, 95.9 FM, 9.50 AM, Or if you're listening to the podcast in central Indiana, let me invite you to consider reaching out to our friends at Wallace Construction. You just heard their ad there before the break, but Wallace Construction, this folks, we're getting into springtime, good weather. It may be time to look at having your driveway paved, your parking lot resurfaced, um, something at your church. Maybe you need some sidewalk, some concrete repair, anything along those lines. Encourage you to reach out to Wallace Construction. Wallace Construction Inc. is their website. Check them out today, Central Indiana listeners. Um, that's I know we've got listeners everywhere. This is um, one of our uh, advertisers here in our home base. So, if you're interested in that, if you have some projects coming up, maybe for your neighborhood, homeowners association, what have you, WallaceConstructionInc.com. Check them out. Be sure to tell them you heard about them here on the. Todd Huff show. So I mentioned before the break, I mentioned that there was <laughs> Trevor Noah, good old Trevor Noah here. Um, he actually, I don't know. I don't, I don't watch enough of his show. Sometimes it comes on. I've shared that sometimes I'll watch old, <laughs> old episodes of the office and at the conclusion of those old episodes, I will it'll sometimes go to the what's that show called? What is it called? The Daily Show. Daily Show. 
And I, I can take uh, usually in the neighborhood of uh, 15 or 20 seconds of it. So I don't watch a whole lot of it. Um, in fact, since they've, I think it used to be filmed in front of a live audience, which at least made us think people were laughing at it, but it's not, it's not, uh, I don't think that they have, I don't, maybe they do now, but as of last time I saw part of it, there wasn't a live studio audience or what have you. So it wasn't, it, it even felt less funny than it really is or the people make you believe it is normally. Anyhow. So Trevor Noah is um, was talking about was talking about um, Biden and and energy prices in particular, and he was talking about how things would be under President Trump. And I'm trying to load this, and it is not cooperating with me. Things are let's see if it'll do it again here. But he's talking about how countries Biden's trying to get well. In theory, we're supposed to believe. I share with you last segment that this, you know, when you when your party when your party calls for the end of fossil fuels, you'll forgive me when I don't really take you seriously when you want to lower the cost of oil, the, the cost of gasoline by extension in the short term. You'll forgive me for not believing that that's a genuine position that someone has taken um you'll instead understand that i think that that's a completely uh, a, a complete political play especially when they were praised this administration was praised for doing things like shutting down the keystone xl pipeline and if you're talking with someone about keystone make sure you use the phrase xl at the end because there is a keystone there's different phases to the keystone pipeline Keystone XL pipeline would basically double the amount of oil that's put, or well, oil that's produced uh, to be sent to refineries uh, to about 1.1, what is it, million barrels? I think a day. I'd have to double check the math there. Basically, Keystone XL, the part that was shut down by uh, by Biden, day number one. Day number one. You know, we thought he was going to cure cancer day number one. That's what he told us. Instead, he spent his time shutting down the Keystone Pipeline, the XL Pipeline, day number one. That does not exist. There are 500 or 600,000 barrels a day, something in that vicinity, that are not allowed to flow down that pipeline. Now, if you remember, how much oil are we producing, or I should say purchasing, were we purchasing from Russia? It's almost exactly that. It's six. It was six hundred and seventy-two thousand, I think, uh, barrels of oil and oil refined products, or however the actual definition is. So he effectively has shut down the amount of oil, roughly, that we were buying from Russia by shutting down the Keystone XL pipeline. But we're supposed to believe he's out there trying to make calls, get you know, get. Uh, Get places like Saudi Arabia, United Arab Emirates, uh, folks in OPEC to produce more to help alleviate the the you know the, the crunch at the pump. That's the political position anyway. So that being said, I want you to listen to Trevor Noah. Trevor Noah, <laughs> folks, guaranteed voted for 
Joe Biden to be president. He wasn't out there voting for Trump. It's, it's, I know, I say that, I know that there's someone out there that thinks that he did. Simply did not, it, it did not happen. So here we are. Remember, we're what, 14 months into this disastrous presidency. Trevor Noah, who really is one of the, I don't know, one of the folks that are trying to influence American politics towards radical leftism through uh, some really lame attempt at comedy. But anyhow, uh, Trevor Noah here, listen to what he says. (laughs) Listen to how he frames this. Listen to who he credits um, as having more ability to deal with this crisis than Joe Biden. There is no denying that Saudi Arabia isn't playing ball with Joe Biden. And you know what? You can say what you want, but this would have never happened to Donald Trump. Uh-oh. Never. No one was ever ignoring Donald Trump's calls. He's right on this. Yeah, because if you ignored Donald Trump's calls, you didn't know how he would respond. Maybe he'd send an angry tweet, or maybe he'd just, like, ban your country from everything. You don't know. That's why I bet in these situations, Biden actually wishes that he could hire Trump to step in as president wildcard. You know, just keep everyone on their toes. Because if Trump was calling, you best believe the UAE, they'll be racing to pick up the phone. Oh, Mr. Trump, Mr. Trump, we're here. We're here. Hello? Too late, Ahmed. You made me wait two rings. We're bombing the UAE and the UFC, just in case. There you go. So, and I don't know word if that was actually cultural appropriation there. The left can get away with that sort of stuff. Actually kind of comical. I, <laughs> very... Um, very different from most of the stuff I, I see when I do stumble upon this this program. But the point here is that the left, the left, like Trevor Noah, they're no longer in a position that they don't even know. They're, the comedians, the folks who are trying to make jokes of stuff say, look, this is so bad, it's not even funny <laughs> anymore. This is so bad, I'm really opening, uh, openly wishing for President Trump to come in and to be subcontracted to deal with this today. And what's interesting is he's he's exactly right. And you could use this little, I don't know, this little performance that Trevor Noah just did there, which was funny. I want to give him credit there. That was funny. It You can apply it to so many other circumstances and situations. You could apply it to the situation with Putin invading Ukraine. You could apply it to the situation where Iran, by the way, Iran shoots up to 12 missiles. You see this? 12 missiles were shot by Iran um, in the very close vicinity of the U.S. consulate in a city in Iraq. Now, Iran, of course, didn't come out and take credit for this for some time, but when they did, they came out and they said, they said that they were targeting secret Israeli bases in Iraq, not the United States. I, Folks, it's just emboldened. He's He's stumbled on something here, maybe by accident, maybe by... Just trying to think of funny things to say since there's really nothing funny about this administration and what we're all contending with and dealing with here. But what he's what he's just admitted here is precisely what folks like us have been saying. The reason Vladimir Putin Putin did not do this on Trump's watch was because of, of something very similar to what Trevor Noah just said there. He's a bit unpredictable. He's a bit he doesn't play by the standard playbook. Biden, Biden does. Biden's going to say all the, well, 
He's not going to say them the right way, but the official position is going to be, you know, let's use diplomacy. Putin knows how much time. I'm not saying there should be war. Don't misunderstand me. But there's something about a Donald J. Trump that gets the attention of a Vladimir Putin, that gets the attention of a Kim Jong-un, that gets the attention of a Xi Jinping, that gets the attention of whatever other radical, crazy, maniacal dictator thug that's running the world today, their particular country in the world today. And he's stumbled upon a bit of truth here. Biden does not inspire that sort of fear or respect. Instead, these leaders are thinking they've got an opportunity to get away with stuff, and that's how they look at this. And so it's on that grounds that I think that there are there is certainly responsibility to be laid at the foot at the feet of this administration. Quick time out, my friends, listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in mere moments. Welcome back, my friends. By the way, let me say this. If you've not, I, I, has, I have a hesitation on this just because of, oh, uh, you know, when, when we're trying to reach more people um, through our program, we have to take the good with the bad. And I'm, I'm hesitant to ask you in bulk here because some of you aren't even going to have pages, and I don't blame you for our, an account or whatever uh, with Facebook. But if, if you do have an account, even if you don't use it a whole lot, um, it would help us to reach more people if you liked the Todd Huff Show page. So uh, I invite you... I invite you to do that, the Todd Huff Show. Just go on there and, and like it and uh, until they shut us down, which <laughs> which may be days away. I don't know. I, it would not surprise me, but it's still a way that we can connect with people um, and try to get the message out to help people hear and receive the truth of constitutional conservatism and um, and the principles upon which this great nation was, was built. So I played the soundbite of Trevor Noah. I want to do something else I had intended on doing prior to this. And it's all related. So let's let's talk about Russia. An update on Russia really quickly here. Russia, um, Biden has brought the United States of America within 10 miles of war with Russia. Do you realize this? Russia firing missiles at a Ukraine base that was only 10 miles, 10 miles from Poland, which is a NATO country. So... NATO, as you well know, and if you don't, that's okay. NATO is basically um, an alliance that says an attack on one of us is an attack on all of us. So if if someone attacks a NATO nation, the United States is effectively contractually bound. Now, it doesn't mean that we won't break a contract. You know how this goes, but we're effectively contractually bound to defend that nation and we're contractually bound to join in an alliance with Poland and this was all done this was all done to prevent Soviet expansionism which one could certainly contend is what we're dealing with today even though it's not officially the Soviet Union but make no mistake Vladimir Putin is today's modern equivalent of the USSR that in the radical leftists running around this country who suddenly um, hate the one who, and I'm glad they've woken up to that, but they suddenly hate the one that represents the idea that they uh, 
praised back when I was in school 120 years ago. But so Biden's brought again this. When I say that, I don't mean that he fired the missiles. I'm simply saying, America. I've said this hundreds of times on this program. American weakness is provocative. It's not tweets that are provocative. It's not Trump telling the Iranian government, if you do X, we're going to do to you. Uh, our, our military is going to do things to you that you have never seen in the history of the world. That is not what's provocative. What is provocative is a nation led by weakness. American weakness is provocative. So when I say Biden has brought us within 12, 10 miles of, of war, because that's how close those missiles came to striking Poland. Um, I mean that because, look at how quickly we've gotten here. I mean, this, and again, on, on the one hand, this this conflict goes way back. But on the other hand, this is seen as Vladimir Putin as an opportunity. It is. And the left wants to praise Biden and say he's brought the world together, with, to which I want to say, are you kidding me? I mean... What kind of – who out there just based upon their own instincts doesn't condemn what Vladimir Putin says or what he's done here? Who doesn't just – does that need some great leadership, some great intellectual argument to say we've got to condemn this? you got to be kidding me, man. That's, that is beyond ridiculous. So we say it's bad. Other nations say it's bad. And that's enough for the left. They applaud. They feel good about themselves. Meanwhile, Russians, Russia's raining havoc on Ukraine and getting ever close, ever so close to pulling one of our NATO allies into the war. That's not a good thing. By the way, I saw Russia asked China for help, for military help over the weekend. Now, the fact of the matter is they probably did this long before now. They might have held this as some sort of a, uh, I don't know, just PR tool or some such thing to, to play when the time was right or what have you. But that should not go without notice as well. They've asked China for military help. I mentioned earlier that Iran is now shooting or has shot missiles at the or towards the U.S. consulate in a city, Erbil, in Iraq. They did that yesterday. They claimed that they were trying to attack secret Israeli bases that were located in in Iraq. But now we have Iran lobbing missiles. We've got, of course, Rocket Man doing whatever Rocket Man does. And now we've got Russia also saying that transports that are bringing in weapons and supplies to Ukraine are now legitimate targets. I mean, we're inching ever so close to a really big mess, my friends. It is a big mess already, but now we're... We are getting pressured, pulled. I don't know. I, you know, there's a cynical side of me that has all sorts of ideas about this, but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go down that road. I'm just right now. I'm just saying that this is this is where we are. This is where we are in the most real of terms. We we are on the brink of having Russia potentially erroneously or intentionally attack a NATO ally. And then what? And then what happens? We have congressional representatives in Congress. I played a soundbite from one, I think it was on Friday, who was basically saying uh, Maria Salazar from Florida, 
saying that whatever we have to do to, to help Ukraine, let's she's on board with it, even if we got to shoot down Russian planes and enter into a conventional war with them. Is that really... Is that really where we need to go with this? Where's the where's the Europeans? You know, I got some thoughts on that. I, I'm long in this segment, but I want to talk about that during the break. I want to talk about all these little socialist utopias over there that, well, never had to really invest a lot in their military because because of the obvious elephant in the room, which we'll discuss on the other side of the break. But I got to take a time out. Long in this segment, my friends, sit tight. Back here in. Just a minute. Welcome back, my friends. So, before the break, before the break, we were talking um, about this, um, this, problem, I guess, that exists in in Europe. We were talking about how these, you know, European leftist nations, these have a lot of social programming or programs and so forth, socialist leaning, however you want to frame it. I don't want to get into the into the weeds on that. Those that me on the left want to say should be models today. One of the reasons for this, I think one you could arguably say the biggest reason for this is because their responsibility, and I say responsibility because it is an actual responsibility of a government to defend its people from enemies. Um, they have abdicated that responsibility. They've kicked the can down the road. And who, who is the group, who is the nation that stepped up to shoulder the load? It was, it is, it has been, the United States of America. This happened, I, basically you can go back to what World War II, the end of World War II. The United States has been shouldering shouldering the load, which of course you go back in time, it's, that's the NATO timeline and all of this. The United States was the nation that made these other little socialist uh, experiments possible. And now we look to these countries and you're inclined to say, common sense would say, hey, this is a European problem, right? Where are the European nations? Why is America – again, I'm not saying we shouldn't be involved at all in trying to de-escalate this and draw um, you know, a firm line in the sand against Putin and the radicals who are um, – well, the totalitarians, I should say, that are trying to take over other countries and so forth. Where are the, the Europeans? They're absent because they didn't invest in their military. And why didn't they? Trump was right on this too, by the way. Remember telling them they didn't uh, pony up for, for NATO. The United States was shouldering the load, both economically and militarily. So turns out there's a cost to that. Whoever could have imagined when you ignore one responsibility to have these socialist utopian dreams play out in your country, you're actually doing your nation harm. Quick time out, my friends, back here in just a minute. Welcome back, my friends. Just a little bit of time left here before we end our time together today. If you missed any part of this program, first of all, shame on you, but we forgive you. You can always listen to the podcast. Just go to toddhuffshow.com slash podcast or toddhuffshow.com slash listen 
to listen to anything you may have missed. I saw this, uh, a buddy sent this to me. <laughs> you, you may have seen that Tom Brady has already unretired, which I love, by the way. I know a lot of folks in Indianapolis, there's just Tom Brady. The idea of Tom Brady playing football doesn't set well because of all the all the years we were, as an Indianapolis Colts fans, um, you know, left empty-handed because of Brady and the Patriots. Uh, but there's a guy named Joe Pompliano, and he tweeted out yesterday, even Tom Brady saw 7.9% inflation and record high gas prices and decided he needed to go back to work. <laughs> there may be truth in that, my friend. So anyway, folks, always appreciate you listening. Have a wonderful day. Talk with you tomorrow. SDG. See you then.